And so we wanted professionals to be able to help veterans access better information, better options, while being held accountable. Welcome to the Vet VA Podcast. My name is Nathan Nottingham, joined by my co-host and partner, Christopher Griffith, where we're going to talk about all things VA home loan benefit. Where we take a few minutes to teach, train, and educate you on the factors that should inform some of the biggest choices you'll ever make. In this episode, we're going to talk about something that is uh, mired in, not controversy, but more like covered in mystique. It is the secondary entitlement, bonus entitlement. There's just all sorts of misconceptions out there that if you've used your VA loan, you cannot use it again. Or if you have a current VA loan, you cannot use the VA loan again to buy another house. We are going to clarify that, clear up the confusion, and talk a little bit more about real-world examples on how this actually works and how utilizing your VA loan legally, correctly, According to the guidelines, you can use it more than once and sometimes at the exact same time. So take a listen. If you've been in the Vetted VA Facebook group for any amount of time, you'll probably recognize some of these names bringing you this information. Jerry Avila, Matt Burkhead, Randy Teekle, and again, hosted by Josh Lewis. They're going to talk through secondary and bonus entitlement, how to get the most out of your earned benefit. And as always, if you have other questions, check it out, vettedva.com to find a professional in your state to help you out, or go to the Facebook group and search Vetted VA. Join that group if you're a veteran, active duty service member, or family of both, and have your questions answered on hand. And if you're a professional, if you also need support and want to join another group that's doing great things to serve this very, uh, very deserving community, Join VETA for professionals only group, and we're going to help you out as well. All right, let's get to it. So here with me on the top row is Jerry Avila. Jerry was based here in California and now in Arizona, as you can see there, uh, licensed in, in multiple states throughout the, the West here. Um, Matt Burkhead, Matt is in Arizona, also can help California, Texas, uh, Colorado, those areas. And Randy Teekle has been on with us here many times uh, out of Salina, Texas. And Randy only covers the great Republic of Texas. So it's big enough that he doesn't need to be going multiple places. Mm-hmm. So let's just jump into it, guys. Tonight, what we're going to be talking about is secondary entitlement. So there is a big misunderstanding out there among many veterans that once you have one VA loan, that if you don't sell that property or otherwise restore your entitlement, that you're going to be unable to use the VA loan again. So we're going to go through this, go through the details of what secondary entitlement is, go through some examples so you can see what it is. And if secondary entitlement does not work for you, we're going to go through a few of the other options of what you might be able to do so that you can buy a home using or not using your your VA benefit if you have already used your entitlement currently. So with that, Jerry, you want to kick us off and just sort of explain what the concept of secondary entitlement is? Sure. So basically the the whole concept of the secondary entitlement is the remaining portion of what's left of your entitlement benefit. Um, So let's just assume that you're buying a home and you you bought a home for X dollar amount. All that's remaining or the entitlement that's already in use um, is now 
no longer available to you, right? So now what we do is that we're, we're, we're basically taking a calculation of what whatever your county loan limit is. You can basically, so you just kind of follow the monkey math, right? Which is, um, so you take the county loan limit, divide it by four, and it's ultimately going to go ahead and break it down to what, what entitlement is uh, available to you minus whatever you've already used. And then that amount is now multiplied by four, which would then give you what your official um, amount at 100% financing is available. So the whole idea of doing that is so that way the veteran can and and will have the opportunity to purchase a home. Now, it doesn't mean that they're capped off at that 100% financing amount. It just means that they're able to purchase at that point up to that at 100%. And then anything over that Let's just assume it's a three hundred thousand dollar house. Or I'm sorry, a four hundred thousand dollar house, but they're only qualified up to three hundred. That means there's a hundred thousand dollars left. That leaves a twenty five thousand dollar amount remaining that they would have to come in with a down payment for. So it just it, it, it gives you that opportunity to go and get another home, even though you already have your loan tied up or your entitlement tied up to a, a, a your initial purchase. Doesn't mean that that's the end of the line. It just means that that is what you have available at the moment. Now, if you want to do, you know, restoration or whatever, we'll, we'll touch on all that stuff during this call. So I, I just think that it's, it's an awesome opportunity to uh, really open the eyes of a lot of veterans that I've even had the opportunity to, to have to tell like, Hey, no, it, it really isn't just a one-time situation. It's not like I'm saving my VA loan until, you know, until I'm ready because I, I, I know I can only use it once. It's, it's not a one-time thing. You guys have the opportunity to really uh, grow your, your your real estate portfolio even um, by starting with your first primary home and then moving it on from there. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on all that stuff and breaking down the, the how, how we get to those numbers and, um, and really how it is that we help you guys in, in making sure that everything's clear and concise. Absolutely. And for those of you watching at home, this is a very numbers heavy episode. Um, when you deal with it all day, every day, it's still complex, um, but it makes sense. So we do have some slides here. We're going to break through and break down some examples. Um, but as you were talking, it kind of led me to another question that I want one of you guys to walk through. So Matt, can you explain to a veteran watching at home after the Blue Water Act, where we eliminated the caps on VA loan limits, how does it work? Because we all get a version of this question. Veteran pulls their certificate of eligibility. They see they have $36,000 of entitlement and they go, what, what am I going to do with that? And yet we tell them, hey, there's actually no limit. We're subject to whatever limits the lenders place on it, whether that's a million and a half, two and a half million dollars, that if you qualify, you can borrow with zero down. So maybe explain how entitlement translates to your loan amount and how VA effectively no longer has a loan amount for someone who has full entitlement. Yeah. So if you look at the certificate of eligibility, it'll say that 36,000 number on there, um, you know, even if you have full entitlement and that's just your basic entitlement. And so you can kind of ignore that for the most part. Um, you're not going to be restricted in terms of the loan amount. Uh, you know, VA doesn't place any sort of restriction on that if you have full entitlement. You, you would be restricted by any, you know, lender restrictions because lenders can place their own limits. You know, maybe it's $2 million or $3 million, you know, whatever the case may be. And then also what you can actually qualify for in terms of, you know, your debt to income ratios and all of that stuff. But, you know, if you have really good income and, you know, you want to purchase a house that's a couple million dollars, you can do that zero down with the VA loan now 
uh, as long as you have full entitlement. So that will play back into what we're talking about. Specifically, secondary entitlement is for those that don't have full entitlement. And you'll see in the examples, it's going to vary a lot by region of the country. Now, three of the four of us are way down here covering the south and western portion of the country. Um, Randy's in the middle of the, the southwest. But the, the price is going to make a really big difference. I'm here in Orange County, California. Our median home price is pushing a million. It might be over a million dollars right now. So when you look at that number, if someone bought a million dollar home with their VA entitlement, there's not going to be any secondary entitlement. And you'll see how that plays out with the numbers. But Randy, what are what are you seeing throughout Texas? What what is a common borrower who may have bought five, seven years ago? What purchase price were they looking at that left enough entitlement that they might be able to purchase another home with zero down or a minimum down? But a couple of things that, that we have to touch on before we get there is basically that the conforming loan limit is important where you're buying. So that's basically what, what Josh is saying is, is that you know the, the limit for conforming loans in California is different than what it is in most of Texas. For all of Texas is currently in this year, 726200 But the thing is, is it's gone up almost every year that I know of um, and continues to grow up. So the people that bought in in 2014, the limit might have been, you know, 450000 and they might have, have maxed out at that point. But now the limit's 726 So if they bought at 350 then, then they're basically... This is cocktail math, napkin math. That's the, that's the best kind, Randy. Cocktail napkin math. But they're basically at set at three fifty. Now they've got three sixty and a little bit of change that they can buy at at the new conforming loan limit in twenty twenty three. So so that's the biggest thing. So if you bought a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house then, and you want to buy a four hundred fifty thousand dollar house now, then then you're going to have the 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 delta to cover. But it's a pretty simple uh, math that, that you're doing on that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We lost Jerry, and now it is making the three of us look awful <laughs> funny here. So let me figure what happened there. <laughs> let me let me figure out another layout here that we don't don't have little slices of our heads here looking at each other. Yeah. So so with that, uh, obviously, I mean, there's parts of Texas that have seven, eight, nine hundred million, million five, two million dollar homes, but for the most part, um, probably the bigger part of the state, this could be an option. So it just really just comes down to not just the loan limits, but the general prices of homes in your area and what you're looking at. If you're looking at a very expensive home, it's going to be difficult for you to, to do this without restoring your entitlement one way uh, or the other. Uh, before we, we pull up the slides and jump into any ex the, the specific examples where we can kind of see the certificate of eligibility, see the information that we're looking at, anything that you guys wanted to go through before we jump into that? I want to mention the, the math, right? Because I know a lot of people, math is not their favorite subject. And Randy kind of touched on this, you know, when he was saying the, the you know, cocktail napkin math, right? So if you take the county loan limit where you're trying to purchase and you subtract out the original balance of your existing loan, the solution there, the answer to that will be approximately how much you can do with zero down. So that's a very simple way to estimate things and a lot easier math than you know doing very complex calculations. 
And, and that's the benefit also, again, closing the loop on exactly what Randy said. Every year since 2017, we get a present. Um, I was going to say January 1st, but we actually get to jump the gun with some loan types earlier. In the fall, we find out what the new loan limits are going to be for next year. For someone looking to use their secondary entitlement, the last two years have been really significant jumps up, and it has made a big difference where you get $80,000, $100,000 more of, of purchasing power. Randy, you, you had something you wanted to go through? Well, just just real, and it's not going to come into play very often, but one of the things that we haven't mentioned is that you have to spend on your, your next purchase at least $144 for the, for the loan amount. That's not a big deal nowadays unless you're dealing. I had a guy that uh, uh, that at every, he was really the, the maestro at this, at every duty station, he bought a home that was right at $144,000. And so he currently, and I helped him in January, buy his fifth one. And he bought it at 144. So he now owns five on his uh, um, on, on his COE. It's pretty impressive. That that is impressive. That may be some sort of a record. I mean, he's yeah. pretty much pinned there, right there at the the maximum of what you could possibly do. But he couldn't buy a home that was less than 144 because of the way that the that 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 second home, the first home, you can buy whatever you want, but you're still going to get charged at 36,000. But after that. You have to buy at least a hundred and forty-four thousand dollars house. Not that that's a problem for a lot of people right now, but but it's kind of an interesting thing. Perfect. Something I'd like to mention right now. I forgot to say it at the top of the show. We're here to discuss a specific topic tonight: secondary entitlement that we're going through. But the most important thing we're here for is to answer any questions. You guys know if you're in the vetted VA group out on Facebook, you can go out there and post a question, and the moderators will get back to you, and you'll get a ton of answers specific to your situation and a lot of feedback. Sometimes you want someone to answer live or to be able to go in more detail. So we have four of us here tonight, happy to answer questions anything mortgage, real estate, VA or non-VA related. So throw uh, throw a question in the comments. We would be happy to to answer them. So take a look at that. Um, yes, sir. One, one other thing that, that I was just going to touch on that we haven't really touched. It may be that your entitlement's tied up by a previous foreclosure or you know some sort of a charge, et cetera. And, and a lot of people think that once that happens, they're done and they can't use it again, but that's not the truth. So that that is one thing that's very freeing to people when they realize that even though I screwed up four years ago or six years ago or whatever it may be on the VA loan, I can still go back and use my bonus entitlement. So does that work any differently, Randy? So let's say someone bought a $250,000 house five years ago, 10 years ago, ended up losing that property. You're saying the the process would be similar to just using their secondary entitlement Um as if they still owned that home and kept it as a rental as after they moved? Yes. The, the, whatever the charge is, is, is still, the math is the same. So you've got obviously to, to get a certain, there's a wait period after whatever that negative was. And typically with VA, it's two years, but as long as it's two years or older, you've still got the same math available to you on bonus entitlement. Perfect. We actually have our first comment of the night. Not necessarily a question, but someone watching says they bought a second owner-occupied duplex with their secondary entitlement. So again, anything that applies to your first initial primary purchase, you can do with that secondary purchase. This person was able to, to get a duplex using secondary entitlement. And again, kind of circling back, this is probably one of the biggest misconceptions that we get. I get people all the time that have talked to someone, well, I was told I can't do this. Or some people didn't even get misinformation. They just assumed, well, I've already used my VA loan. 
on. I can't use it again, which we're going to see here in the examples here. Sometimes that can be the case, but uh, other times uh, it's uh, it's absolutely usable. So let me see if I can figure out here. They keep making StreamYard more uh, more confusing. I got to get uh, get the slides here in, and I'm not seeing our, the correct layout to do it. Slides. There we go. Now we all end up real little postage stamps over here. So, okay. Let's get in here. This is going to be a little bit tough to see, so I actually blew it up a little bit here in the slides. But this is for those of you who may be watching who are veterans and will have or are entitled to a certificate of eligibility have never seen one. This is what it actually looks like, and this will give us a little bit better look uh, at the info in here. So, Jerry, you want to walk through us what this information tells us and how that plays into kind of what we're looking for on the, the secondary entitlement? Sure. So uh, there's a few different things that are obviously on the COE that we're looking at where the certificate of eligibility, which is whether or not the veterans exempt, whether or not, um, you know, what their entitlement code, what branch of service they were in. But also it breaks down whether or not they have anything, um, any entitlement already in use. And that usually shows up right there where you see the VA loan number the state, the loan amount, um, all those details actually show up right then and there where we're basically able to pull that information that lets us know, okay, this is how much entitlement's already taken up from their current um, their current loan, just like you see in that slide. And, and ultimately it tells us, okay, now what we do is that reverse math as to what it is that's still available. And um, that's kind of what we referred to earlier about when we were talking um, in the initial uh, breakdown is we're, we're going to go ahead and take that particular county wherever it is that you're purchasing in and, and, and basically do the math as to what that uh, ultimate entitlement remaining is or the subsequent use uh, that you're going to have on this entitlement. If it's going to, you know, whether or not, you, like I said, if it's going to have you exempt or non-exempt, that's going to make a few differences on what your subsequent use is on your funding fee. But if you're exempt, obviously there won't be any. And so the, those are the really the, the big differences that we're looking for is essentially we're trying to figure out how much is already in use and how much is still available in order for us to be able to help you make a, a home purchase at 100% financing. And then and, and then if let's just say you're wanting to purchase above that, then we we have to then break down the math in order to help you guys understand, OK, this is what it's, this is what you can get at 100 percent. But this is 25% of whatever the overage over that amount is. And, and and just make sure that it's very clear and defined as to understand, okay, this is what we can afford to purchase based off of your current circumstances. So in, in looking at this one, I've, I've got a question for you guys. It's a common misconception. I get all the time, so I'm sure you guys are getting it as well. Someone looks at this. So the original loan, and this loan wasn't that long ago, 2021, but let's say that was 2011. The original loan was $392,000. Entitlement charge was $104,250. So I'll get the person say, well, well that, we took that loan out 12 years ago. We've paid it down to $280,000 now. Isn't our entitlement semi-restored? Am I getting some of that back because I, I owe less? Randy, I see you shaking your head. You want to close the loop for someone thinking at home, hey, I'm getting some of it back as I'm paying that loan down as to why that is not the case? It's absolutely not the case from 
but, you know, just from guidelines and also like even if you refinanced it at, at some point in there, you, you, the new refinanced amount is not that either. It's all on that original entitlement that was charged. And, and that's why it is really important, guys, that the loan officer that you're working with has to get the certificate of eligibility really early in the process. That is one of the things that we see all the time, uh, all four of us, I'm sure fairly regularly, someone will call or we'll get one of our realtors will call very late in the process and say, we just found out certificate of eligibility came in and it's very different than, than what we thought it was, or the person isn't even eligible. I had one about three years ago that they're like 10 days away from closing and the records could never be found that they swear prove that they're eligible. Um, and it wasn't the case. So this is really important, especially in the case of secondary entitlement. Without these numbers, it's really impossible to to determine the calculations that we're going to to go through here. This, um, if you, I want to just chime in a little bit on even if you refinance it into a different loan type, like if you refinance it into a conventional loan type, your entitlement is still tied up. And so that's something to be aware about as well. And, and hold that thought and let's definitely circle back to that because oftentimes people will, will think that that's uh, sort of a safe haven for them. But I definitely, I definitely want to go into a little more detail in this. Just wanted to show some of the additional information that you see uh, that Jerry referenced here. Subsequent use funding fee. So if you've used your VA loan before and you are not exempt, there's going to be a higher funding fee. So again, we have access to this information here and can know how to accurately quote you what your loan amount and your payment is going to be. Funding fee, it tells us whether you are exempt. If you have a disability, um, anything of that sort, that would uh, would make you exempt. But with that, want to roll through an example here. And Matt, why don't you just walk us through uh, this example? This one, we're going to be using a high cost county. So Prince William County in Virginia actually goes to the maximum Fannie Freddie limits, uh, which is a million eighty nine three hundred. Doesn't change the information. It, it's going to you're going to see it's going to make it a little bit easier to use your secondary entitlement when you have one of these high cost areas with higher loan limits. Yeah, so I mean the normal or quote unquote normal uh, county loan limit is seven twenty six two hundred, and so this one's a little bit higher, which means that someone is going to be able to qualify for more um, because of that higher loan limit. And so you'll, and keep in mind, that's where they're purchasing, right? So it doesn't matter where you bought the last house, uh, you're using the county loan limit of where you would purchase the new house. At. And so in this case, uh, Prince William County, Virginia is 1,089,300. And the borrower has already used 104,250 of entitlement. So if you do the calculation here, um, you basically take the county loan limit. This breaks down real easy. Take the county loan limit, and then you have the entitlement used. And then based on the, the math and the calculation, you'll come up with that zero down uh, price. And that's what you can do with zero down. If you go above that, you can still do a loan. That's perfectly fine. You just have to come up with a down payment of 25% of the over. So let's let's use this example. Let's say we just said Prince George County is a higher cost area. If this person wants to buy a million dollar home, what what does their down payment situation look like? So if they want to do a million dollar home, so you take the million dollars, right, and then you subtract out six seventy two three hundred, and you get three hundred twenty seven seven hundred, and then twenty five percent of that, so times 0.25, and you get 81925 for the down payment. 
So, so in that situation, the government is covering the 25% guarantee of what your entitlement there covers, and you're covering the 25% guarantee of any amount above that. If you went a million above it, if you went to a million six seventy two three hundred, you're looking at a $250,000 down payment, which sounds crazy for those of you in lower cost areas, but we have situations like that in, in California, other high cost areas. And when you compare a VA loan, even with $250,000 down at a million six seventy five is a thousand times better than almost any other option uh, that we have. I mean, you're looking at 15% down or so, but still going to have really, really good terms. And we had another uh, example here in the slideshow, just something a, a little lower. So again, if you went, wanted to go to 750, it's a little bit above what you're able to, to do there, but still it only amounts to a $19,425 down payment. Again, it's 25% of any amount above what the max zero down calculation is. Um, it, do you guys find very often that consumers go on and, and look up these calculators themselves and ever play with this? Or is this, I mean, a lot of the stuff we get, we get buyers all the time. They're looking online and they'll pull a number from whatever. They'll go into Zillow's calculator and say, I know what my payment looks like. Do you guys see people ever trying to play, play with this math at home and determine it on their own? I've seen a couple that I think know the math through the vetted VA, you know, being on the vetted VA website uh, or just in the group. Um, in the chats because it's a fairly common question. And so I think people pick up how to do it more from that than any other calculator. Um, there's a few good calculators out there, but I think most either don't exist or they just have a, a lot aren't updated with the new county loan limits because those change every single year. So that's something you have to you know be aware of as well. I think kind of going back to, uh, I, I'm going to now use Randy's uh, saying of cocktail math wherever I go, even if we're not talking about math, I'm just throwing cocktail math in any conversation I have. But if we if we look at this, that county limit of, of a million 89, and the previous loan amount was 392. So if we take that away, it tells us somewhere right in the ballpark of 700,000. So I don't suggest you try and play a loan officer at home, but if you remember what your original VA loan amount was and you can look up your county loan limit, you can pretty safely come to a number that gives you a ballpark. And then when you reach out to Randy or Matt or Jared or myself, we will go through and calculate it and get it nailed down for you. But in addition to just a broad overview, showing what the calculator looks like, the importance of the certificate of eligibility, what do you guys think that someone watching this at home that's already has a VA loan, considering looking at their options for using their uh, remaining entitlement on another purchase, what else should folks know? Well, I think don't get, even if there is a down payment, don't necessarily get discouraged about that. Um, I've run into some people that you know, get discouraged that there would be a down payment because, you know, the VA loan is supposed to be zero down. But when they actually look at the numbers, the down payment ends up being a lot less than other loan types. Or, you know, there's the advantage of not having any mortgage insurance, right? So even though there's a down payment, I would still, you know, look at the numbers, kind of go over that with a loan officer that can explain it well to you. And don't necessarily get discouraged just because it might be zero down, not zero down. 
Because I, I would agree that a lot of times the typical thing a loan officer is going to go to, a lot of loan officers truly don't know VA guidelines at all, and they are unaware of secondary entitlement. So they will quickly roll over to, oh, you've already used your VA. We have to go FHA, you can do three and a half percent down, or we can do conventional five percent down. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about the, the reasons why, if we can avoid that, even if it means putting a down payment on the VA? Jerry, why, why would a VA loan if you had to do three, four, five percent down, still be the preferred alternative to going FHA. So, I mean, quite simply, it's it's just the mortgage insurance. Um, not having to carry that mortgage insurance is going to be a big savings overall, and it's honestly something that you know a veteran doesn't have to even consider uh, when they're purchasing a home, whether using their VA loan. Uh, you when you're using conventional or FHA, you're always going to have that no matter what. For FHA, um, you know, based off the way the guidelines are currently, I mean, you're going to have a mortgage insurance that's going to be a pretty hefty one in comparison to, you know, whether or not you have, um, you know, your funding fee or not. If it's your first time use or subsequent use, there's going to be, um, you know, a, a numbers game that you're going to have to play. FHA is probably going to be the only thing that's going to even come remotely close if, in my opinion, based off of um, where you're at, if it's subsequent use, if it's, um, you know, based off the, the, the loan amount, where your debt to income ratio is going to be, you're going to have all those limitations that you're going to have to consider when you're looking at FHA conventional versus when you're looking at VA, which VA is going to really take away a lot of the, the major hurdles uh, away that, you know, a conventional on FHA loan won't. Two, two, two things, that, and Jerry touched on one of these already. But, but basically, to, to clarify, the rates for conventional versus rate, all things being equal, versus a VA or FHA rate, the VA rate is going to be typically about 75 basis points lower than, than a conventional apples to apples in most cases. So, so that in itself is huge. And then not having, not having PMI. But then the other thing I think that comes into play for me is the fact that down the road, and I think no matter who you're listening to right now, rates are going to come down in, in the future. I don't know how, you know, my crystal ball is not real clear on when that's going to happen. But but I believe that you're going to be open to do refinancing in the future. And it, the, the EARL, the Interest Rate Reduction Refinance Loan, is the easiest, streamlined, no appraisal, no income qualification, et cetera, just have to have benefit. And you don't get that if you go conventional or FHA. It's not the same. So, so that's a future benefit that, based on the current mortgage interest rate environment that we're in, that's going to be a factor for a lot of people. And got to keep that in mind. Yeah, and to tie into the refinance thing, I, you also get more access to equity with a cash out refinance, right? Because you can go up to you know 100% if you want to with VA. Whereas with conventional, you're capped at 80%. Um, and then what a lot of people don't know about is if you move out of that house, let's say, and it turns into a rental property, you can still do a VA Earl on that property, even if it's a rental or a second home and take advantage of significantly lower VA rates compared to you know, other conventional uh, you know, rental property rates or second home rates. So that's a huge advantage as well. Here, here, Matt. That's great. You know, go, going back to like, if we look at it and we 
sat here and did a little matrix of pros, cons of, of each loan and stacked them all up. Like to me, almost the only negative that you could ever come up with with the VA loan would be the subsequent use funding fee. The initial funding fee is what it is. It's not cheap, but it's not out of line with what uh, an FHA upfront mortgage insurance premium is. And then they have your monthly on top of that. With conventional, you're paying a three quarter percent premium and in interest rate. So carry just like Randy said, carry that loan for three years. That's a couple percent right there. You're you're paying it one way or the other. Um, but besides if I have used up all my entitlement and so VA is not an option or if on, I'm on subsequent use and I'm up into the three something percent and I'm just, hey, I'm not going to own the home that long. I don't want to pay that. Can you guys think of any reason why there might be a benefit in not pursuing every option to, to get a VA loan? And the reason why I ask is there are a lot of people out there that are constantly trying to talk veterans out of using their VA loan. And I like for me, when I go through it, it's a very narrow, small subset of situations where it would ever not be the right choice for a veteran. I mean, I think that the main reason someone wouldn't want to use a VA loan would be if there's just a huge down payment, you know, they have barely any entitlement left and they're trying to do a very large purchase and, you know, they're going to have to put down, you know, 50, 60% or something, right? Then I think, you know, a lot of times a conventional loan or some other loan type would make more sense. Um, but yeah, you're right. A, a lot of times, I would say the vast majority of times, VA loan is going to be far superior, even if there is some sort of down payment compared to other loan types. You know, we act, you guys are so good that you went through the math and the explanation of this pretty quickly. We're, we're only about 30 minutes into this. Jerry keeps bombing out and making us look goofy in these little sliding windows here. Tell him to stop doing that. Um, we got through this stuff really quick. Matt, do you want to go through some of the other options of, of restoring entitlement? What the, the refinance issue that you were talking about? You, you want to go through that? Yeah, I can touch on that a little bit. So if let's say someone bought a house before they're moving out, uh, you know, they utilized a VA loan on their previous house and that one was a large loan amount, you know, and so they either have no VA entitlement left or very, very little. And so there'd be a massive down payment. Um, what can happen in that case is they can refinance that loan into a conventional loan, right? And remember earlier we said that doesn't automatically restore your entitlement, which it doesn't, right? Once you refinance it into a conventional loan, then you'd have to you know, show the paperwork and request a one-time restoration of entitlement. Now, this would free up your entitlement, so you'd have full entitlement again. And like we talked about before, there's no down payment if you have full entitlement. So this would be perfect for someone that is wanting to do a large purchase on the new house, right? So they have you know, no down payment requirement, full entitlement, um, but there are some caveats to using the one-time restoration. So like the name says, you know, it's a one-time restoration. So if you wanna purchase another house, you know, using your VA loan and, you know, have your entitlement restored again, you'd have to sell every house that was purchased with a VA loan. So in this little example, you'd have to sell both those houses, not just the latest one. So it's a one a truly one time, get a jail free card, get to yeah. use it again. And again, that is an area where you do not have to use a vetted VA vetted loan officer. But I would suggest incredibly strongly, highly, not strongly, there's not words strong enough to say that you have to use someone 
that is knowledgeable and has expertise in VA loans? Because have you guys all probably come across someone in your career that a loan officer told them, hey, we're going to refinance it and we're going to burn that for the rest of your life and, and paint it someone into a corner? Like there's nothing all that difficult about VA loans but they are complex and they are very different than any loan type. So I'm not saying the four of us or any of the other vetted loan officers are rocket scientists. It's just a commitment to doing the research, going through the guidelines, talking, being together, uh, going through things in, in the, the forums for the moderators. Uh, something weird and arcane comes up. It always never ceases to amaze me that no matter how off the wall a VA scenario is that I or someone else has, you throw it out there in the, the moderators forum and someone's been through it and probably been through it recently and can tell you do this, this and this, call the regional loan center, go to this lender and you're, you're going to be fine. Um, and most loan officers don't have that community. So, again, either use a vetted loan officer or vet your own loan officer to make sure they're regularly doing VA loans. They've done the work and they know the VA handbook inside and out because there's a lot of funky stuff that can and, and does come up there to, to trip people up. So we actually buzzed through this pretty quickly tonight, gentlemen. Um, I always like to go uh, around the horn before we wrap up. Any advice specific to tonight's topic, um, the housing market in general, loans, real estate, anything that you guys would like to share with the audience before we wrap up? Well, uh, you're, you're stuck with me. Well, I was going to say, Matt, you're stuck with me here on the top, so you're going to go first. But Randy volunteered. What do you got, Randy? Well, well one thing on our topic that we, that we kind of, I think, took for granted is where do you find this form that we've been talking about the whole time? Right? The COE, how do you get that? Where does it come from? So that's the, the bottom line for people is number, number one, you can typically go on your e-benefits and you can walk through the process to, to find it yourself or your loan officer should have access to, to WebOZ and be able to do it for you. And so don't don't spend a whole lot of trouble doing it, but your loan officer should do that the very first time that they talk to you. It's, it's just that important to the whole process. But there are going to be some people that that don't have that luck because like one of my uh, folks was, buyers was a Vietnam error and his uh, records had burned in a fire in, you know, St. Louis or wherever they were. But, but one of my assistants was able to, to spend a little bit of time and and get that, and it only took about about a week. But she she's a, a a a bulldog and found it because they he had talked to three other lenders and they all said you you can't go VA because you can't find this this paperwork etc. And it, and it can be found by the by the right people. It's just a important piece to this that that we didn't really talk about. So and it all relates back to that, like you. That's like step one. Don't do anything until you or your loan officer have got that. Everyone or most veterans seem to take it for granted. And it's not often, but I would say five, 10% of the time, there's an issue, either an issue like Randy mentioned, or we'll have people that maybe they were in the National Guard and they didn't quite meet the, the qualifying guidelines and they think they did. And there are people that will send them out there on a house hunt and tie a property up before they find that out. There is no reason why anyone should be doing anything in terms of even just a basic pre-approval. They can answer your questions. They can start the process. But COE is like, do not do not pass go. Do not start right. until you have that in hand because so much flows from that. 
I thought, well, I, thought we were a, I thought we were having a party there, Randy. We even say they, they, they started the music at happy hour. We had mariachis. What do we got going Absolutely. on? Absolutely. I forgot to turn my cell phone off. Texas is more fun than California. We got 5.30 <laughs> mariachi time starting. I guess it's 7.30 mariachi time in Texas. Yeah. So that was uh, that was Randy's uh, great advice there with certificate of eligibility. Matt, what else do you think folks should know? So that was going to be mine, actually, to make sure that you get the, the COE up front um, because that's really important. It's you know not very hard for a loan officer to get. Uh, most of the time, it only takes maybe one to two minutes for us to pull up because it can be pulled automatically. Um, and you know, if it doesn't pull up automatically, it's definitely good to do that in the beginning because you might need to you know submit some documentation like a DD two fourteen or you know different things, statement of service or something like that. And so it's always good to tackle that in the beginning. That way, you're not halfway through the process and you find out you know you don't qualify for a VA loan or you know, there's some other issue with your certificate of eligibility that, you know, you weren't expecting. And, and that doesn't come up super often that we don't get it instantly. Like we go yeah. plug in the info, probably 95% of the time it, it pops up. But when it does ask for additional information, whether it's a DD-214, something else, how long are you guys typically seeing for, for the VA to review that document and get you a COE? I would say it takes maybe two days. And if you're really in a rush, you can call them and, you know, kind of sweet talk a little bit and, you know, get it done a little bit faster. And, you know, the, the VA, maybe in other areas, I'm not a veteran, so I've never had to deal with the VA in other areas, but they get a bad rap, at least for what we deal with. When we call regional loan centers, those people are very helpful. They want to help the veteran. They want to get accurate information. So as long as, like Matt said, we call them more friendly and we're not yelling and being mean and snappy with them, they are very helpful, whether it's a reconsideration of value, whether it's clarifying a guideline, whether it's getting a certificate of eligibility as, as quickly as possible. So um, there are things that the, the records don't necessarily always line up, but they are incredibly helpful with that. Jerry, what are, what are your parting thoughts for everyone tonight? No, I, I think it, it just falls in line right with the COE because otherwise we can't move forward. Like that, that's really the honest truth. Like I tell everyone, hey, look, let, let's just make sure we will pull your certificate of eligibility. If we can't, let's first make sure that we have all the documentation that's necessary in order to gather that and request it. But but just like Matt said, it's like we make a quick phone call uh, the day after, let's say we submit the, that document and upload the DD-214, upload, um, you know, all the information that they'd ask, because we literally have to fill out a whole form of, okay, what what was the branch of service? What what was the timeframes they served? Um, all those details have to go into that. So having the veteran on the phone when you're doing it in the, in the first place is a huge help because then you, you just knock it right out. Um, but it's the one thing that's going to help us get that COE that's going to tell us exactly what we can and cannot do based off of what your entitlement you have in use, um, whether it's your first time, your subsequent, um, whether, whether you're going to have um, anything that's that's currently tied up due to, like Randy brought up at the beginning, with whether a foreclosure or a short sale, a deed in lieu, any of those situations, then we have a clear picture. We have a clear understanding of what's happening and then you, you really have just a, an open opportunity to have us really go to battle for you where, where there isn't that uh, concern as much of, of, okay, well, we don't know what's about to come up next, right? Like we, we have a very clear picture, very clear understanding of how we can better assist. And so in those circumstances, having somebody 
that understands. It doesn't have to be like you said, a vetted pro that does it, but it's having somebody that actually understands and knows the VA loan and 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 does it on a regular basis. That's going to be the best person that's going to be there to help and support you in that circumstance. Um, like I said, it, it, there's there's some amazing lenders that whether they're in retail on the broker channel, it, it, and and they're just they're going to be there. Why? Because they actually care enough to actually know the information. So having that, having those people in your corner, that's that's the biggest uh, the biggest thing uh, when when it comes to qualifying somebody and understanding exactly what you can and cannot do. You know, I also want to add um, if someone has compromise entitlement or like a foreclosure in the past, short sale, something like that, I would definitely either have your loan officer or you call the VA and see how much it would take to restore your entitlement fully, right? Because sometimes it makes sense to just use the bonus entitlement, um, but other times if there's gonna be like a big down payment, for example, sometimes paying back the VA, you know, what you owe uh, is going to be a lot less than what the down payment would be, you know, using that bonus entitlement calculation. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah no, that's great advice. And and while, while Jerry was talking and then you just kind of added to it, what I was gonna say, my last piece of advice would be, People often ask, I mean, easy button is go out to the vetted VA map, find a vetted pro in your area. But if you're working with someone, you're referred to someone that isn't a vetted pro. How do you vet them? How do you do this? If you're looking for secondary entitlement, bonus entitlement, it's almost easy. You ask them, hey, I have a VA loan. I would like to use my VA to purchase another home. Can you help me determine how much I'm eligible for? And if their eyes glaze over and or they tell you you can't do it, you just eliminated uh, an option there. And if they say um, give you a number right off the top of your head, probably also not accurate. They should be telling you some version of let's get your certificate of eligibility. Give me 20, 30 minutes after I have that to run some numbers in our area and get those dialed in and get back to you. If it's a week later and they can't get you those numbers or they give you something immediately off the top of their head or they don't mention anything about your certificate of eligibility or your original loan, those are some pretty good tips and tricks. If you had a, a, an event in the past, a foreclosure, short sale, any of that stuff, and they're not able to walk you through what Matt just said in terms of those options of let's call the regional loan center, see what options we have, and let's pencil them all out and see which one makes the most sense for you. So that um, that's what we're we're looking at. Uh, um, anything else you guys wanted to go through? I always know Randy's always uh, Randy holds out. Randy waits till I try and close it. He goes, I have more pearls of wisdom. So so drop them on us, Randy. Well, one of the big things that we that we all need to remember is that it's the V the COE is a living, breathing document. And and while we want to pull it up front because nine times out of ten it's static and nothing's going to change through the process. There's one one particular time that it's very important to realize is that if you've got someone that's ETSing and th they're getting to the point where that their retirement is going to be official and, and they've got med boarding, you can re-pull it with, if you know the right time, et cetera, you're, you're going to re-pull that thing just to see if they're exempt because instead of going through the whole 8937 and all the stuff that goes with that, you know, as a loan officer, you should be on top of that to understand when to repull that COE to, to have the exemption show up. And in, in Texas, that's huge because particularly if they're 100%, then all of a sudden property taxes went away with it as well, just by paying attention to what's going on and staying on top of it. So, 
Randy, what are you seeing? And this may be a difficult question for you to answer, and you may not know those timelines, but let's say a veteran is late in the process. They do get their uh, their approval for their disability rating. How long does it take from them hearing about that to it actually showing up on a COE if you repull? Well, right now I've got two in process, and um, their official retirement dates were like October or August 23rd. And we're still waiting on hers. We're, we're the loan closing date on that one's the end of September, but but still yet we're we're looking every day to see for an update on that particular one. The other one, their official retirement date September first, and again we we situated a closing at the end of September. But but it's looking like it's going to be like a seven to ten days is is what happened last time for me, and it looks like that's probably going to happen again. So, all right, guys. Jerry just had to, had to do it one, one last time before we leave. He tries to pull that. So um, I was going to let you, Matt, you and Jerry have one last shot at the pearl. Was there anything else you want to share before we call it a night? Jerry's Jerry's out since he keeps throwing <laughs> off our, our video here. He doesn't get to come back into the, the feed tonight. Anything you want to leave us with? No, I think that was it. I think we pretty much covered everything. Okay, great. Um, if you guys are watching at home, uh, come back next week. We'll have another group of experts, another awesome topic. And if you have any questions, any questions that you would prefer a live uh, in-depth answer versus text on a screen, we're here for you. So gentlemen, I appreciate you walking us through it. I appreciate explaining a uh, sort of difficult to understand topic and making it easy to follow for everyone watching at home, especially Randy's cocktail math. That was the takeaway of the night. All right, guys, everyone watching at home, have a great night.